Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the title of today's podcast is going to be called Do Not Grow Weary in Waiting. You know, I spoke to this somewhat when I talked about not giving up back in August, and before then, if memory serves me correctly, I spoke to the ways that God stretches our faith back in June when I talked about suffering for and waiting on the Lord. And it's my hope that this podcast might shine a light on some of that for you, because I know that some of you have reached out and told me that you're going through times of waiting and great distress, and I wanted to shine light on why some of that may be going on today. Now, before I begin, I wanted to start off by thanking those of you who have reached out over the last six weeks to pray for me and send me well wishes and blessings. I was in a time of rest and regrouping, and since it was the holidays, I decided that taking some time for myself was much needed, and so I wanted to thank you all that waited on me for new content. And that's actually some of what we're going to be talking about today, you know, waiting on the Lord, but just not waiting on the Lord, but a reflection of what He may be doing in our lives while we're waiting. You know, guys, I'll tell you, and I'm sure many of you know this already, so I'm likely preaching to the choir, but... 2023, for many of us, was a challenging year. I mean, just based upon what I went through myself, what those close to me have gone through, whether it was concerning their jobs or waiting on certain provisions to come through, you know, seeking personal direction, waiting to be relocated, and so on, many of you have expressed to me that you're weary. You're weary in waiting on God, or you're growing weary in waiting on God to act or move in your situation. And you know, one of the things I was doing in the last month and a half is communicating with a few of you, those of you who have reached out to me behind the scenes. You know, many of you have been feeling discouraged. Many of you have been having a downright struggle since last year. And don't I know it, because I've been going through many of those same trials myself. Now, ultimately, how this podcast came to be today was that I was recently in prayer for a brother. And while I was praying for him, I heard the Lord say to encourage him and remind him that the trials he's experiencing are not unique to him. Now, that should sound familiar. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 say exactly that. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So, because some of you have reached out and told me that you have slidden back into sin, and, you know, by that, that means turning back to familiar comforts that you initially long put away, I felt that it was necessary to revisit this topic as we start the new year. You know, these familiar comforts could be excessive eating, they could be some sort of substance abuse, such as drinking or smoking weed, or even entertaining some kind of sexual sin. The sin could even come out in anger, for example, you know, due to frustration or being kept in a situation repetitively feeling like your life has become an endless period of redundancy. You feel stuck and you're wondering why. You're feeling like nothing is happening the way that you would like it to. Some of you have even expressed that you feel as though God has abandoned you. And so you're ready to give up or stop caring. And you're going into this pattern of like, oh, what's the use? I'm going to do what I want. I want to remind everyone that turning to sin is not going to make things better. In fact, if you're already in a de facto wilderness of sorts, that's one of the things you should not be doing. We don't want to harden our hearts. 
We don't want to fall into sin as a result of unbelief or trying trials that we've been walking through, or even when attacks are getting to be a little bit overkill. If anything, we want to be doing the opposite of that sin. We don't want to be falling into temptation. We don't want to be hardening our hearts. We want to be pulling closer to the Lord. You know, Hebrews 3, specifically verses 8 through 19 say, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. You know, in other words, they saw his blessings, they saw his grace, they saw how God came through and took care of them. Going on in verse 10, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So there it is, you know. It was the unbelief and the sin that resulted thereof and got the Israelites in trouble with God. Even Moses was so grieved by it that he began to complain because of their complaining. You know, in the carnal mind, many give into these sins as a way to alleviate the stress. But the danger in returning to those sins is that once you start letting that sin control you, rather than renewing your mind and spirit in Jesus, it's that they become much harder to escape. You know, you may recall when I did the Confession and Repentance of Sins podcast, I spoke to when Jesus spoke of the returning of an unclean spirit. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So this generation, think about it. That's what's happening right now. That's the times we live. You know, it's very easy to come under demonic attack when you're weary. The attacks last year were relentless as it was, at least since the summer they were. But as I stated, we were also going through tests of resolve and trials so as to lay out before us and God what areas needed work you know, what needs refining, what needs to be cleansed to make us righteous before the Lord so we're not lukewarm. In these trials, in these attacks, will we turn to him continuously and continue to follow him wholeheartedly or choose to get back into familiar comforts when our flesh is screaming because it's weary and then allow the return of the unclean spirits? Because think about it, guys, if we think it's bad now in comparison to what's coming, which has been laid out now several times by myself and many others. Are we going to give up on God when the tribulations really begin to ramp up? You know, I don't want to get off point too much here, but if anyone's been paying attention, there's been certain entities that have been manifesting. Some of you may be aware 
of what just occurred in Miami, for example. You know, it's being debated by many to this day what that was, but whatever it was, the fact is, these are a visible example of how something demonic manifests. And this is all the more reason we need to be staying close to the Lord and remaining vigilant. We don't want the sin to be separating us from him. I mean, guys, the powers that be are playing around with the Hadron Collider. They're playing around with all these AI technologies, all these different things. You can say in so many ways that they're actively trying to open Pandora's box, basically. I mean, they're so blinded by their evil and deceptive practices that they don't even realize what they're doing. Maybe they do. But they're not aware of the consequences thereof, such as opening portals and dimensions. And if they are, they don't care, because they look at it as a blood sacrifice of Lucifer. But this is why we need to be keeping our side of the street clean. I mean, guys, this world, it's beginning to buckle under the weight of all the sin. And though I believe that 2024 will be a year of breakthrough for many, I also believe it's going to be a year of prophecy. And it's going to be a year that the church is going to be getting a wake-up call to truly return to the Lord and walk uprightly with him. Did any of you happen to notice January 1st there was a major earthquake in Japan? You know, it's as if the year started with a shaking. And one of the things I came to reflect on is what type of shaking are we going to see as we progress into 2024? You know, we're running out of time, guys, and we really do not know what could be our last day or what tomorrow holds. And I'm not saying as a result we live in fear as though we can't breathe, but we need to be working toward redeeming the time we have left down here. You know, keeping our lamps burning with oil, living by example for others to see, not being that light that's hidden under a lampstand. You know, many shut down in fear. They see all these things coming and they shut down in fear. And maybe I ought to speak about fear coming up, but um, they go into this recluse mode. And like, well, I don't know if I can do that, or I don't know if I... It's like, well, everyone's going to come to a time where they're going to have to choose. And you're definitely going to have to choose when the persecution really begins to ramp up. But getting back to where I'm going with this, what we need to understand is that when we're in the olive press and it feels like the pressure is so great that we want to give up, we don't want to stop praying. You know, remember that Hebrews 12 verses 11 through 13 say, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. You know, we want to see good, but if we're doing wrong, how can the Lord bless us? How can he heal us if we continually choose to live that way? That way being as in rebellion, returning to our vomit like a dog. We have to watch these things, guys. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12 say, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reveling for reveling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, 
even well-seasoned Christians are going through the refining. Because sometimes there's unrecognized and unrepented sin. And it's not seen until it's shown to us. And so if we're finding ourselves in the olive press, this is where a reflection of the heart is needed. Even 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, which is immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. And some are being chastened. Let us remember Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You know, everyone has sinned. Everyone has, is being disciplined. Everyone's being refined. You know, everyone's going through oppressing because the Lord wants to get that dross out, guys. He wants a refined bride before he returns. You know, do you remember when I kept mentioning in the last two podcasts I put out concerning sin that we need to be reflecting what's in our hearts? That's what I was referring to because either we can choose to do it ourselves by way of prayer and reflection and be in the remittance of sin or the Lord can show us. And when the Lord does it, once it's reached a certain point, that chastening is usually not very fun, guys. And I'm sure many of you know that. You know, the Lord's patient, and sometimes he's waiting on us to see what we're doing wrong. He wants us to confess it. He wants us to change. He wants us to turn from ways of wickedness that are not right. Or there's something there, and sometimes it may not even be for anything you're doing wrong. Sometimes there's simply waiting just to wait because you just need to trust the process. You know, so if you're doing good and you're still waiting, just keep doing good. Keep praying, keep worshiping, you know, keep basking in his presence. But sometimes the pressure is applied. And we're really tested to show us where we need refining. Not just our faith, but what needs correction. And to jump back to what I was saying just a bit ago as far as what's coming, it's also to strengthen and temper us, to build our resolve, to build our endurance. It's a trying in the fiery furnace, if you will. And guys, there's going to be an increase in persecution too. You know, it already started to a degree in 2023, and it's only going to get worse as we move forward. So a lot of what we experienced in 2023 was actually training and tempering us to make us stronger under the trials when we're going through stressful situations. So as to refine us and make us stronger so that when things get really bad, we're not tempted to fall away, but rather we can still remain a testimony to the grace of God. You know, I've used Job as an example before, but even Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. You know, Job had so much thrown at him, and yet he continued to remain faithful to God when Satan threw all sorts of challenges his way. And in the end, God blessed him abundantly for remaining faithful. And so I want to encourage all of you to remain steadfast and remember that when the temptations arise or when you're in a long season of waiting and struggle and you feel like you're on the verge of giving up, to not stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. And that's the key. No matter how bad it looks, don't give up because it's not going to remain that way forever. 
You know, another example, when Jesus, before he was betrayed and crucified, when he went to the Mount of Olives to cry out to pray, this is an example we're to follow. And for reference, guys, this is Luke 22, verses 39 through 46. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray, that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. So guys, he was praying for strength to endure what he was about to face, what he was about to go through. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's what I was just saying. We don't want to stop praying. If anything, when we're going under all of these trials, when we're going through these attacks, when we're being tested, we want to remain close to Jesus. We want to remain close to God. We don't want to be saying, oh, what's the use of serving God? You know, there's a verse somewhere. I I didn't pull it for this podcast, but it it seems to me in the last days it was prophesied that there would be people going around saying, oh, what's the use in serving God? And we need to be careful about that as believers, guys. We don't want to fall into that frame of mind. But you know, some takeaways from that scripture I just read, how many of you double down on your prayer when you're in pain or suffering tremendously? You know, when you're grieved, when you're worn out. Because those can be some of the hardest times. But you have to remember, we got to keep going. We got to keep running this race, guys. There's nothing wrong with crying out because God will come through. And I know so because I've experienced it. You know, guys, there's been times I've heard the Lord say to me, my son, I know you're tired, but you must stand strong. I will come through for you. And he does. And what the Lord means by stand strong is stand strong in your faith. Stand against the lies of Satan. Because that's an attack when you're weary. That's when he loves to slither in there like a snake and say, oh, come on, just this little sin. Just do this. Just do that. You'll feel so much better. Oh, you know, God won't mind. Yes, God does mind. And it hurts him. And another point to think about with this is when Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan came along when Jesus was all worn down and tried to tempt him too. And, you know, we read about this on Matthew 4, starting on verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, you know, get the hints, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came 
and were ministering to him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And you know, I mention this because when I've spoke to others behind the scenes who are struggling, one of the first things I tell them is don't give up. Because it's not going to remain that way forever. Those seasons are going to pass. But in those seasons, there's at least one of four things happening. Like I said just a bit ago, the Lord is stretching you in a wilderness of sorts because he's building your faith. He's strengthening it. Number two, you may have backslid or you came out of a lifestyle of continuous sin and he's establishing himself in you, which when he's doing that, that takes time. That draws has to be purified so that you're more in line with who he is, especially if you're being called to witness for him. If you're being called to ministry or to witness, you're going to go through an even greater pressing because he wants you to be as pure as is possible to be an example for others to follow. Number three, he's testing to see if your faith you claim to have is truly genuine. You know, in other words, Will you react or respond in the right way? Will you remain a doer of the word? Sometimes he's testing you in that fire, in that olive press, to see if you're going to remain faithful. And he's showing you the areas where you're weak so as to make you stronger in those areas. Number four, you may have an anger or a pride problem. So that pressing down could be to squeeze that out to humble you, to purge that out. You know, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 lays this out. Remember, God doesn't like pride. And it's actually one of the seven things that are detestable to him. And you know, guys, there's several more examples, but you get the overall message. It's either because you're waiting, your patience is being built, or you've done something wrong and you're being refined. But either way, you don't stop praying while in that press, and you certainly don't want to get back into the sinful habits. Remember the sin that, if not repented of, it gives birth to death, and we don't want to end up drifting away. Because then what's going to happen is you'll start trying to do everything in your own strength and looking to everyone else to be your comforter, including the sins that were long put away, that you were delivered from. And then, like I said a moment ago, it gets harder to come back from that sin once you commit it, depending on what it was. And if the sin continues... It's allowing the return of the unclean spirits and it gives birth to death. You know, it's like you're being pulled down while you're trying to rise up. And then it's this endless cycle of, you know, trying to get out of it and you're going back to it, getting out of it. It's like you can't be doing that. You know, James 1 verses 12 through 15 lay this out. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Galatians 6.8 says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, you know, when you're in that olive press, keep all of this in mind. We have to remember that God is at work in each of our lives, even when it seems to be delayed or we don't even see it happening. 
He's there, and he's with us. Oftentimes, what I found is the greatest pressing comes just before the breakthrough. And to many of you, it can be a challenge because it is a challenge. You know, the world, it's having a grand old time. Everyone's doing what they want, those who are very much part of the world. And you're sitting there denying yourself for the Lord because you want that eternal life. You're holding on to his promises, you know. But keep in mind, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, verse 26 This is in Matthew 16, by the way. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So, you know, there it is. We have to deny ourselves and stay focused on the Lord and what his will is for us. If we don't, we begin to sink. You know, you're trying to walk on the water with Jesus, and you may slip and fall down a few times, but... Then you feel like you keep getting pushed under. And this is what sin does. It separates us from God. And that in turn begins to affect our faith. You know, think of it like entertaining the sin and taking your eyes off the Lord. This is what happened when Peter took his eyes off Jesus. It wasn't that Peter sinned. It was that he lost the focus. He lost focus, so his faith began to slip. And is it safe to say that When we start turning to familiar comforts as a crutch to carry us through extensive trials that we're going through, that we're not then losing focus. We're losing our focus because we're turning to things of the world and the sins of the world rather than keeping our eyes on Jesus, our prize. That is he who takes away the sin of the world. But sin causes us to lose focus, that is, if we choose to keep going back to it or remain in it. Why does the sin commence? Largely due to unbelief. You know, lack of faith. You know, fear that God's forgotten us or abandoned us, though his promise says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the focus part is what happened to Peter when he began to sink. Jesus grabbed Peter by the hand and asked, why did you doubt? So in this parable, Jesus is showing us what happens when we begin to lose focus. Our faith begins to suffer. And when our faith suffers, we drift. And when we begin to drift too long, we become tempted by the tempter. And once we give in to that sin, it becomes a vicious cycle that spirals downwards. And to combat that, We need to be continually renewing our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, in his word, consuming that spiritual manna. And personally for each of us, we need to remember that when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and his testimony at the cross for our sins, we're not supposed to be using our freedom in Christ to live an act of rebellion. You know, 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. The New Living Translation of 1 Peter 4.19 says, So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right, and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. And you know, guys, if you're going through the pressing, what you need to remember, in short, is that Jesus loves you. He still loves you as his own. And as long as you're faithful to acknowledge any sin 
confess it, repent, remain in remission, and keep seeking him, he'll lift you up at the right time. You know, James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And you know, in the instructions are God's promises. Galatians 6.9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, another thing I want to address. Self-condemnation. You know, a few times I've said that Romans 8 is a great chapter to memorize. And when it comes to self-condemnation, remember, Romans 8, specifically verses 1-4 through says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, you have to remember that when you accepted Jesus, when you accepted his testimony, all the former things passed away. Even 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, he begins to live in you. He begins to establish himself within you, and you build up that relationship with him. You know, 1 John 4 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But remember, you must remain in him, that is Jesus, so that he remains in you. And this is the key of what I've been speaking to today, that no matter how hard it gets, we have to remain in the Lord's presence. You know, Satan likes to use our past against us to keep us down. Like I said, he attacks us when we're weary. You know, it's this pattern of trying to convince us that God doesn't love us, or that he won't come through, or that we're not good enough for him. And that's all false. Remember, Satan's a liar. That's one of his favorite tactics, to try and convince you that you're worthless so that your faith becomes worthless and you fall back into sin. Remember, the devil's days are short, and he knows it. So is it any wonder in these last days the attacks have been so bad, and they're getting worse? You know, this is all the more reason we continue to pursue good in the face of the attacks or even the trials. You know, many who are new to the faith or coming back to it already have the conviction and know what they've done wrong in the past or they're learning of it. But the reality is many operate for the enemy in the form of monitoring spirits, gang stalking and slander and so on and so forth. You know, that's a form of witchcraft. It's manipulation. And that business That needs to be repented from because that's not helping. And God does not take it lightly when you are an instrument to the enemy or an accomplice to the enemy and causing someone to fall. Like they're already down, so you think you're just going to keep kicking them in the stomach. No. You know, and I know it's going on because I've heard stories from others where this has happened in their own family. Their own family berate them or ruin their reputation while claiming to be Christians. And there is nothing Christ-like about that at all. At all. Christians, believers, true believers, should not be operating in this way because that's not edifying 
but tearing down that person further. And as a result, they become discouraged. You know, that's when they're tempted to say, oh, what's the use? Because there's hypocrisy. You know, there's going to be a day of reckoning for those who think they have the right to play God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I've warned about this now more than a handful of times. But going back to those of you who are struggling with your past and any kind of self-condemnation, remember Romans 8 verse 28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Brothers and sisters, if you're going through that, let me just tell you something. There is nothing that you're going through or haven't gone through that God cannot use for his eternal purposes. The Lord's purpose is to lead many to salvation. And what you have to remember is this. Though you were once a sinner, you were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Those former things passed away. All things became new. Those former things are part of our testimony in the redemption of our souls in Christ Jesus. Guys, that's who Jesus is. It gives him the glory. Think about it. That's his saving grace. Remember that. The Lord would not have it that anyone would perish, but come to him in repentance. And he will use many of us to help others come to that truth in these last days. We're his shining example to say, hey, I used to be like that. Look how, what God did for me. Look what Jesus did for me. He redeemed me. Though my sins were red as crimson, he washed me clean. My sins are forgiven. There is now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's how you respond to those attacks of self-condemnation. It's just our job as Christians, as believers, to remain faithfully in the truth and not wander back into our old ways when we get tired and worn down or when others are trying to drag us down. You know, when these tribulations begin to increase more and more, there are going to be many out there who will be looking for the Lord's grace. And that grace will shine through us by sharing that testimony and how we were delivered from these former things. They may not be those who come to repentance at first. I expect that there's probably going to be somewhat an element of persecution going on because when things begin to go downhill, those who see it and see that you're blessed and that you're walking right, they're going to try to drag you down with them. But then at the same time, there's going to be those who are going to be wanting to come to know Jesus. They're going to want him. They're, they're going to want that eternal life. And these individuals, whether they knew Jesus in their youth and they wandered into the world and they came back as prodigals or they're coming to the Lord for the first time, they're going to need to know that any sin that they have committed is under the blood, as it was for the rest of us. So again, there's nothing that you have gone through or are going through that cannot be used to work together for good to win souls and exhort to them as it is God's purpose, according to what he has called you to do. And this is including, but not limited to, your time in the olive press or the furnace of affliction. Because that too is building a testimony, and it shall not go to waste. So all that said, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's all I have for you today. I hope that this podcast was a blessing to you in discerning what you might be going through while you're waiting for your next season to begin. Or maybe you stepped into a new season, but you're like, well, nothing's happening. What's happening? Well, remember, too, that there's time that God has to line things up, too. So it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. It's just you can't see it. And on that final note, I want to thank you all for listening. 
May our Lord Jesus bless you. Stay vigilant out there, guys, and stay warm too if you're in the States. You know, I'm sure many of you have heard that it's going to get super cold for about two-thirds of the country next week. So if you're in one of those areas, you know, make sure you prepare accordingly if you haven't already done so. All right, guys. Until next time, may God bless you all. Hang in there, all right? Remember that your brothers and sisters all around the world, they're going through the same things that you are. Sometimes in the same way. Sometimes in similar ways. But others are going through it too. All right. Blessings, everyone.